All right, can we pray? I will have to admit to you, I'm a bit scattered today because my oldest son, whom we only get to see two, three times a year, is flying in today. And so I'm like <laughs> very excited, but I'm also excited about the Word of God. So let's just pray. Father God, I thank you for another opportunity to hear a word of truth today that truly sets us free. And I thank you, Lord. We do not waste one minute of these ladies' time because by your Holy Spirit, I believe each and every person here will receive exactly what they need. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us ears to hear. I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I thank you, Lord, that my tongue is that as the pen of a ready writer, ready to proclaim the gospel, the good news. Holy Spirit, <laughs> Order my thoughts, but Lord, I want to order them after yours. And so I thank you, Jesus, for speaking a word to us today. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's girls said, amen, amen. How many of you have been enjoying, um, been impacted by these messages? Me too. <laughs> so, you know, we're all a work in progress, right? There's never a moment where we have arrived in the spirit. There's always more. Um, you cannot possibly get to the bottom and end of God's love. I mean, it, it is higher than you'll ever be able to reach, deeper than you'll ever be able to, to go down to, wider and in its length and in its entirety. And yet, oh, what a beautiful journey it is to discover more and more in greater depths of his love for us. Amen? So let me just ask you, how's the battle going? All right. <laughs> okay, sometimes when we begin to study something out like this, the battle ramps up. Because guess what? The devil would love for you to say, oh, this stuff doesn't work. Oh, you're never going to get past that. Okay, all I can say is, liar, liar, pants on fire. Okay, you know it. All right, because he's always a liar. Um, God's word reminds us that these aren't the most joyful of scriptures, but it's good for us to realize like in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, God's word reminds us that we are afflicted in every way. Thank you very much. But not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And what this tells me is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what it looks like, you still win. You still win, and you're not a loser because these things come against us. Oh, no, it's just part of living in a fallen world. Um, the devil is still on the loose, but you know what? We are learning how to make sure that we put him in his place. And all I can say is he's wearing a great big L on his forehead because he's a loser. He's already been whooped and defeated totally stripped of his power. So what we're learning is in the battle, don't listen to his lies, understand your position in Christ, and understand his position, which is where? Under your feet. And we're going to keep him there in Jesus' name. So this morning, anybody ready to put the devil on the run? All right. And if you need to get up and do a little stomp dance, you go right ahead. All right. So without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? And without faith, 
there is no way to really be on the receiving end of everything that Jesus accomplished for us. So I want to talk about faith a little bit, and that starts us out on worksheet. Uh, it's not really a question, is it? Worksheet statement number one. All right, to fill in the blanks. Everybody have one? If you need one, raise your hand. We can run one to you. All right. Yeah, Rachel, I think if you just turn the volume down a little bit, I'm feeding back. Yeah, I'm loud. <laughs> so, all right, so let's talk about this. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is not an emotion, but a decision to trust in God alone. Faith is not an emotion, but it is a decision to trust. You will never trust someone whom you do not know. And I believe I, what we're doing here is getting to know our God, getting to know who he is. I mean, would you trust a perfect stranger? You better not. <laughs> That's what we tell our kids, right? But God is not a perfect stranger to us. And sometimes there's obstacles in our ability maybe to receive from him. Um, you know, that's another lesson. But you know what? I believe the Holy Spirit is already in the process of bringing down our walls, opening our heart, and helping us learn to receive. Hebrews 11 is the classic definition of faith, isn't it? Now faith, and I will be reading this from the Amplified Classic. Everybody understands, that's me, A-M-P-C. All right, I love it because it takes the Greek words and gives us the, uh, the extra meaning. Saves me a lot of time looking up those Greek words. So Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the assurance. Everybody say assurance. Oh, here it comes. Get ready. The confirmation, the title deed. Isn't that cool. All right. When you own your home, that means you are the holder of the title. You have the title deed. Your name is written. It is a legal document. If somebody came and tried to take your home away from you, say, uh-uh, uh-uh, I am the rightful owner. I've got the title deed. You hold by your faith the title deed to every promise that has been made by Jesus Christ. Everything that has been accomplished through his finished work on the cross. You are the deed holder. You have a legal right in the court of the heavenlies. When the devil comes and says, you have no right to believe God for that, who do you think you are? You don't read your Bible enough. You said that the other day. You shouldn't have done that. You don't pray enough. And you say, I've got the title deed. You have no right to talk to me that way. And so that gives you, that's what our faith is there for. It is the title deed of the things we hope for. Don't let the devil steal your hope. You have to, when, and, and, and guess what? That's what he goes after. He's trying to make you hopeless. So you become helpless and your faith can't work. So don't listen to his lies to discourage, to steal, kill, and destroy your hope. Because it is being the proof of things we do not see. All right, ladies, we've got to get unstuck from our physical realm. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that. And believe that what is done in the spirit realm is more real than what my senses are telling me. And that's a tough one. Because we can get very stuck 
by getting all of our information through our five senses. But God wants us to operate in that sixth sense, which is faith. Holding the title deed. I don't care if I see it. I am not making an emotional response. I am going to make a decision that I'm believing God's word no matter, no matter what. No matter what my senses are telling me. And it goes on to say we do not see and the conviction of the reality. And here it is at the end. It says faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. If you rely, okay, here's an example. And, and I use this all the time because I think it is kind of a black and white example. If you have sickness in your body and you look at your, your body and you say, I feel this. The doctor says this. The x-ray, the MRI, whatever showed this. There's a diagnosis. Then there's a prognosis. This is what normally happens. But when I get out of that physical realm and say, I don't care what it looks like. Right, Sandy? I don't care what the doctor has said. She is a walking, talking miracle, that man, that young lady right there. <laughs> you don't, you choose. You have a choice. Am I going to allow the natural course of things? And those things will happen because there is a physical realm that we live in. But or am I going to tap into what is supernatural that is in a different realm and I'm going to receive that by faith? Because we like to say, I won't believe it until I see it. But can I see, say this? You won't see it until you believe it. You've got to believe it first. And there's another scripture that says we call things that be not just as though they already were. We call them from the unseen and they will be manifest in the scene. You tracking with me? All right. So it's a title deed that means you own it. You have a legal right to it. The devil might try and steal it from you, but you don't have to give it away. Do you remember last time uh, Candy and I had a little tug of war with that piece? You know, we had a little pillow that said peace. And we were going over the scripture that says, hold your peace. Well, we've been kind of texting back and forth, giggling about that because that was fun. She's really strong. And she said, well, so are you. But the devil will try and steal that title deed. He'll try and make you feel foolish for trying to believe in something that you can't see. But that's because he knows that he's already been defeated. He just doesn't want you didn't know that. So we hold on to that title deed, calling those things that be not just as though they already are. And you are holding the title deed to every promise of God. Here's another example. We know that the children of Israel, they were liberated um, from Egypt you know, by Moses, and they wandered in the desert for how many years? 40 years. We know the story. Well, do you know, first of all, God gave them the promised land, called it a land flowing with milk and honey. He said, I'm giving this to you. There's a destination for you with a land flowing with milk and honey. And he said, there you will live in houses that you did not build. You will drink from wells that you did not dig. You will enjoy um, orchards that you did not plant. And God had all this wonderful uh, land waiting for them to occupy. They were going from slavery to the promised land. And oh yeah. And he said, and I'll fight your battles for you. All right. And we've, we've spent two weeks talking about that, haven't we? This is how I fight my battles. 
the battle is the Lord's. And he promised to fight for them. So they go. It actually took them two years to get there because they went to Mount Sinai and they worshiped a while there. And then they murmured and God gave them manna from heaven and, and quail, I think, in the morning. You know, God just took good care of them. It took two years to get there. And now their toes are standing at the edge of the fulfillment of the promised land. It's right there in front of them. But this is what they did. They sent spies in, didn't they? Twelve spies. Ten were bad and two were good. You guys know that song. <laughs> it's an old Sunday school song. Do you want to sing it with me? <laughs> it doesn't come across very good on the CD, unfortunately. I mean, on the podcast. <clears throat> But anyway, so we know that the spies went in to check out the land, and they came back and gave a fearful report. Oh, there's giants in the land. Oh, yeah, there's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But God didn't tell us about the giants. And we looked like grasshoppers in their sight. And guess what? They were too afraid to go in. They didn't know that even though God had given the promise and told them that he'd fight for them, that they would still have to go in and possess the land. And they were, they were too afraid. They did not trust their God. And one of the saddest scriptures, I believe, in, in the word of God is found in Hebrews 3.19. And it's talking exactly about this. The children of Israel got to the edge of the promised land after two years so we see that they were not able to enter into his rest, the promised land, because of unbelief and an unwillingness to trust in God. Do you know that you could get to the edge of your breakthrough and your promise and be too afraid to trust in God? And you'll be standing with your toes. The next step is some liberation, some healing, some revelation, some wisdoms, the thing, the very thing that God's promised you, and you're too afraid to go possess the promise. And so they did not go. So they didn't. Here's the plan. God didn't want them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. He got them there in two. <laughs> but now, because of their unwillingness to trust God and their unbelief, they turned around and they went back into the wilderness and literally went in a circle over and over. They could have gone in. They missed out on 38 years. In fact, every person who was alive at that moment died in the wilderness. The only people who made it into the promised land 38 years later were Joshua and Caleb, because they were the two spies that came back and says, let's go possess the land. Surely God is with us. And they're all saying, oh, no, 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 there's giants in the land. God didn't tell us about the giants. We're too afraid. They were looking at themselves. They were not considering their God. And Joshua and Caleb were the only ones who were able to survive the 38 years. There's another scripture in Hebrews that said there were bodies scattered in the wilderness. Millions of people had to die. Not because God chose that for them. He was faithful to his promise, and he would have fought their battles. So now, 38 years later, they're standing back looking into their promised land. And this is a new generation this was not a generation who, who held back 
and did not trust their God. God raised up the next generation. They were the ones that went in, and they did possess the land, and they did fight the giants, and Jericho did fall, and God fought their battles for them. But there, there is a real spiritual truth here that you will not experience the promises of God in your life if you refuse to trust in God and be willing to go possess it, all right? We kind of want it to just fall on us. We kind of want it to uh, be absorbed into us. But I will say, make a decision to possess the land. Make a decision to possess the promise. That wasn't God's plan for them, but that's the position they put themselves in. Worksheet question number two. Every promise of God is yours if you will. Release faith. That's your part. Use your faith. Calling those things that be not just as though they are. You're holding the title deed. So if you will release faith, trust God and possess it. Go get it. Go get your promise. Don't let the devil tell you you don't deserve it. You're not unqualified to receive every promise and see it in your life. So how do we possess it? Well, you have been fully equipped to go in and possess your promise. We're going to go to Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Very familiar scripture. If we're talking about fighting battles, we better talk about the armor of God. Amen? All right. In conclusion, <sighs> Ephesians 6. All right. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. All right, whose strength? His strength. What was wrong with the children of Israel? They looked at their own strength and said, we can't do it. God, you brought us all the way this, this far into the wilderness to so let us die. We'd rather go back to Egypt to be slaves. I'd rather eat leeks and onions and, 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 be, and be under the rule of the Egyptians. There was a coup. They, they, actually, there was a rebellion going on, and there was a group that wanted to, to defy Moses and head back to slavery. Oh, my goodness. Why would we go back to something that held them captive? But see, sometimes a familiar is where we want to live. But if you'll dare, if you'll double-dog dare to jump off that cliff and land in your promised land, go Get your promise. Amen? So it's his strength. So stop finding the battle in your own strength. Be strong in the Lord and draw your strength from him. And it comes from our union with him. And we've talked about this. Just make a withdrawal. Say, God, I can't do this. But don't stay there. Don't stay there. But you can. And then there's a wonderful scripture that says, I can do all things. Don't stop there. Through Christ, who strengthens me. Good one to say. In the face of impossibility or when you're feeling weak. I do that when I'm cleaning my house, by the way. <laughs> I look at my office and go, oh, that's the scariest room in my house. And it's really small. And I can barely walk through it sometimes because I have so many different things that end up there. Do you, do you all have that room, though, that if you just throw it in there, you just close the door really quick? Oh, please make me feel better. Oh, so the worst thing is for me to go in there and I say, oh, okay, 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, my goodness. I just did it, too. And I went, wow, that wasn't so hard. Anyway, so it comes from our union with him. The next part of that, Ephesians 6 says, put on. Everybody say, put on. All right, this is our part. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier. That's us, girls. So that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. We could camp out on that for the longest time. Guess what? God says that when you put on your armor, you are able, you are successful to stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. He doesn't have to win. Remind him that he is a loser. He doesn't want you to know that. I already said that. So it's, this is what's interesting is that when you read a portion of scripture, <clears throat> I would challenge you to read it in, in uh, context. Okay, I lost my word. Uh, context meaning read a little bit before and a little bit after, and you'll begin to see the bigger picture. So I'm reading right now from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and here's something to notice. What are the repeated words? Because anything repeated, it should just jump off the page to you. It is a very important concept. Paul is very consistent the way he uh, communicates. He wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. And, and another thing is, therefore, he likes to say, explain, 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 truth, truth, truth. This is uh, what God is saying. Therefore, and you all know this one. When you see therefore, find out what it's there for, right? So we're talking about context. So let's keep reading because there's something to notice here. He repeats himself. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents. And I already said this to someone, maybe two people this morning. People are not your problem. We don't fight flesh and blood. That's what it says right here. I'm not saying that. Ah, Jesus says that. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents. But this is how we fight our battles. Find out what the real enemy is. Your husband's not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. Your in-laws are not your enemy. Your whatever problem is not your enemy. But we do fight against the rulers, the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and heavenly supernatural places. <clears throat> I would say this, fight spirit with spirit. You have authority over the rulers and principalities of the air. You, have, you are fully equipped. You are going to put on the full armor of God. So what? You could be successful in that fight. He's setting you up for success. You are now dressed for success because you are in the full armor. And that, the devil doesn't have a chance when you see that. When you see yourself in that light, the way God sees you, the way he has dressed you and equipped you to win and fight spirit with spirit. Let's go to worksheet question three. Therefore, there he goes. Okay, we said all this. Therefore, here's the repeated word that we need to focus, okay? 
Put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist. That's what we do to the devil, right? Resist him, and he has to. That's right. We're putting the devil on the run every single time. Resist and stand your ground. Don't run. Don't retreat. You might shiver and shake, but stand your ground. In the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm. What's the big word here? Stand in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious, is what the Amplified Classic says. And here it is again. So, stand firm and hold your ground. Don't give up ground to the enemy. He wants to back you out. He wants you to back up and say, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Or say, uh, what are you going to do? You can stand your ground or you can be a David and run at the enemy. And we're going to talk about David next time because I keep wanting to do David because he's like my best, my favoritest um, hero in the Bible <laughs> because he's so brave. He's so awesome. So the word is stand. Just keep standing. Don't surrender. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't allow depression to speak lies to you. Just keep standing. Stand firm. Hold your ground, girls. You're fully equipped to be successful under whatever the attack is. In fact, the truth is we've already won. We will fight this battle from a position of victory. If we don't believe that, we don't believe in the finished work of the, of the cross. We don't believe that the devil was fully uh, defeated at the cross. Jesus did it for us because he knew we could never do it ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit more, too. And it says, above all, oh, I skipped one. Having tightened the wide band of truth around your waist, here's our armor, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is your identity in Christ. And your righteousness is a gift. It's not because you're so good. You can't earn it by your good doing, but you cannot lose it by doing bad because it's a gift. It's a gift, but he's going to come at you and say, who do you think you are? You're not a good Christian. You don't have a right to talk to that person. I mean, not until you get your act together. Are we ever going to always really finally arrive? And I say, absolutely not. But you know what, God? Use me just the way I am. And I'm going to remember, and I'm by faith, I'm going to say, and remember that you call me righteous. And I'm going to hang on to that because that's a gift. And I'm not going to let any devil, demon, come against that. So it's part of your armor. You have to hang on to that. It is the breastplate of righteousness, your heart. And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace and preparation. Oh, listen to this. It helps you to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Oh, oh. You can stand toe-to-toe -to, -toe to the enemy and say, I got my gospel shoes on. I'm moving forward. I'm, in fact, I'm going to just march right on top of you. You're under my feet because I've got my gospel shoes on. Amen. So we lift, above all, he says, lift up the protective shield of faith. I've already talked about that faith. That's so important. With which you can extinguish 
all the flaming arrows of the enemy. He's going to do this. Okay. I know on podcasts that doesn't mean anything. So I'm shooting flaming arrows. Boing, boing, boing. And if your shield of faith is up, they go clank and fall down. If your shield of faith is down, it'll pierce you. It will hurt you. But my Bible says... And so does yours, that when we lift up the protective shield of faith, you will extinguish all, say all, the flaming arrows of the evil one. He doesn't have a chance. Stays dressed for success. And then you have to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, before I get way too far ahead of myself... I would love to invite Candy Duckworth to come up. She texted me um, after last uh, week's session, and God gave her an inner vision, and I'll just explain that so we know what that means. Um, do some of you and many of you see a picture in your heart? And, I'm, you know, it's not something out here. It's something that comes from in here. And some people say, you know, I don't see pictures, but I get a sense of, you know, what God is saying. That's another way God communicates to us. But that's spirit to spirit. And she saw something in her inner girl, her spirit, that I really said, please share that with the girls, with our impact ladies, because it lines right up with the armor of God, doesn't it? Yes, it does. All right. Okay, I'll try to do this the best I can. So if I close my eyes, it's because I'm concentrating. <laughs> okay. I get it. So um, the last worship that we had for impact during the year, um, this is the picture that I got for me and for you all. So um, so I was standing in my secret place, um, and Jesus was standing right here face-to-face, -face, um, real quiet and real close, um, and he put a sword in my hand, and it was really heavy, and it was really long. Um, I could see the sun shining off of it. Um, and then he put a helmet on my head, and he slid shoes on my feet. Um, and what he said to me was, um, your armor fits you perfectly. And so this is for all of you. Um, your armor fits you perfectly. It wasn't made clunky or uncomfortable. Um, it fits you perfectly. It was made just for you, and it's so light you can't even feel it. You don't even know you have it on, but you do. Um, and so um, then Jesus said to look to my right and to look to my left. And there was a line of women. It was um, rolling green hills, kind of like if you were to see a movie unnaturally green it was so beautiful but rolling green hills um and there were women to my right and my left and they were all fitted with armor um strong and mighty it was just a fierce line of women um so that was the first picture the second picture was um a huge bonfire and and there was smoke rising up and all of us were dancing around um and i got just the sense of freedom and joy uh, it was the most freeing thing um, and there were colors all over. I saw skirts and dresses and fabrics just flowing all over through the sky. And um, so we were just in the presence and praising God. And, um, and then, so it sounds like a beautiful melody to us. But in the spiritual realm, it sounds like a crazy war cry. So um, the spiritual realm hears it. Satan hears it. And it's loud and it's fierce and it's mighty. And um, so it flips back to the, set, the first picture, which was us standing on this long hill, all standing 
in our armor that we were doing our war cry and we didn't have to do anything. We were just standing there and he said, you are impenetrable. You are strong, you are mighty, you are standing firm and that looks ridiculously scary to the, um, to the enemy. Um, so, um, and then it went off of what Karen said last time was like the standing firm and I didn't really get that until last week when she said stand firm and I got the picture of us just standing there. We weren't marching out to meet him. We were just standing firm, and that was actually just praising him. So mm. that's what I got. Awesome. Thank you. I love the part that said that it fits you perfectly. It's not like anybody else's armor. I remember you saying, too. And that um, it is something that you can rejoice in. And when we're in the worship time... Good job, Candy. <laughs> In that time of worship, it was still warfare, wasn't it? Yeah, we talked about that too. So um, here's what's kind of interesting about that is that, you know, you might, when we, when we start talking about this is how I fight my battles, you might think, well, what do I say? What am I supposed to do? You know, am I supposed to spend two hours in prayer and, and saying all kinds of nasty things to the devil and yelling and screaming and, and foaming at the... No, uh, but anyway, well, you have to stand. You just keep standing. And I do want to give you, because we talked about the sword of the Spirit... This is not the sword of Karen. This is the sword of the Spirit. And here's what I want you to know. The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. So while you're standing, just know that the nature of the enemy, he's going to try and keep you from standing. He wants you to sit down. He wants you to crumble. He wants you to, to get discouraged. He wants to steal your hope, right? And so... While you're armed and standing and just standing, you're going to hear things like, okay, it's a little bit short, but oh, who do you think you are that God would answer your prayers? Do you remember the last time you prayed? God didn't hear you. He doesn't care about you. He's too busy taking care of everybody else. In fact, you're already disqualified because when you were 16 years old, you did. How could you do that and call yourself a Christian? No, God can't use you. Just give up. Just give up. It's the natural course of things. You know, why do you think you're going to have any victory? I don't know. But I let my sword down. And when I hear the lies of the enemy. It is time, ladies. You pick that sword up. You say, what'd you say to me? You walk him back. You said, you are a liar. I am not so good, but God is good. And he calls me righteous. And I'm wearing my breastplate of righteousness. I know who I am and I know who you are. You're a big loser. And you have no power over me because I'm wielding my sword and you can't do anything about it. This is more powerful than you. Pick up your sword. Take your rightful position. I'm sorry, honey, I didn't mean to make you cry. But I get a little bit ramped up 
when I know that we are living so far below just because we're listening to the lies. But you have to have an answer to the lie. And when you do, and you start speaking truth in the face of the lie, you have cut the enemy down in your life. And that's what you're doing the whole time you're standing. I'm not, it's not an inactive place. It's an active place of faith. And just keep standing on the word of God. You know, and, and the nature of the enemy is that he will hurl accusations at you. Revelation calls him... Um, the accuser of the brethren. Thank you. Somebody said it. Yeah, and so just, just know you're going to hear some things, but just know you've got the sword. You've got the weapon. And he can't do anything about that, ladies. And now you know. And so you serve him notice. You serve him notice. Wow. Okay. Woo, we got to go, don't we? All right. Um. I want to just quickly go through um, two mountains and a fig tree. Uh, I love the title, but we're going to get moving through this a little quicker. All right. There are, uh, as you all know, there's four Gospels, correct? And they each tell um, stories, real stories, not pretend stories. I have to tell my, my little kids that this isn't a pretend story. This is real. These are real people. Jesus is real. I have kids that tell me... Um, the Hulk is stronger than God. And I said, oh, no, he's not. Can the Hulk make a mountain? Can, can the Hulk do this? And they said, oh, really? So, yeah, we've got to distinguish between what is real and what is fantasy. It's not fantasy. This is so real. So in the four Gospels, three of them repeat a lot of the same scenarios that Jesus did. The fourth one is John, and he tells kind of a whole completely different point of view and a lot of other incidents um, and experiences with Jesus. But So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take two instances where Jesus teaches us about faith by using mountains. And if you were standing in the same place where they were at the moment, I am certain of this, that Jesus was pointing to a mountain just over there. Because he always used real objects as, uh, that, that people could identify with so that he, he could uh, better communicate with the people. And so we find out in Mark 11, and then we're going to go to Matthew 21. On the next day, oh yes, he was hungry, and he saw in the distance a fig tree, and it was in leaf. And so he went to see if he could find anything on it, but he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said, everybody said, say. say. I'm going to say. All right, what did Jesus say? He didn't say it to himself. He said it out loud. He said, no one will ever eat from you again. And his disciples were listening to what he said. And in the morning the next day, as they were passing by, the disciples saw that the fig tree had withered away from the roots up. Now, that's a miracle. Overnight, this thing just shriveled up and died. And remembering, Peter said to him, Rabbi, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus is about to teach us something about faith. Let me say this. Jesus spoke to the fig tree, and then he walked away. He didn't look to see, did that work or not? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. He walked away. And, and 
my husband is really strong in this. Um, there have been a few things that have come up uh, physically, and I'll ask him about that. Uh, at one point, we had uh, a, a spot that could have been cancer. We didn't know, some kind of melanoma or whatever. And so he did go to the doctor, but he, he told me, he said, don't worry, Karen. He said, I cursed it, and I walked away. Because he said, I'm not looking back in Jesus' name. It has to wither from the roots up. And let me just say this. I think it's a really good thing to think and ask the Holy Spirit how to pray. Say, if you have a tumor, if you have something in your body that doesn't belong there, it never comes from God. Amen? But curse it and command it to wither from its roots. Because lots of sickness have roots, right? And so... Uh, my husband's really strong on that. We've seen lumps and bumps and things just disappear. Not overnight sometimes, but he said, I just walk away because that's showing I'm trusting that the name of Jesus is already at work here. So anyway, Peter says, look, this fig tree, it's dead. And Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever, are there any whoever's in here? All right, this is for you. Whoever says to this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power again it's not because I'm so strong I don't here, here, here's a mistake that I think we make we try to have confidence in our faith Ooh, I don't know if my faith is strong enough get your eyes off yourself I'm gonna have my confidence in God his unlimited power get your eyes off of what you think that you're capable of doing because we don't have power in and of ourselves other than what jesus has given us through him and he said i assure you and solemnly say to you if you have faith personal trust and confidence in me i'm reading the wrong one i assure you and most solemnly say to you whoever says to this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in god's unlimited power but believes what he says is going to take place it will be done for him in accordance with god's will for this i am telling you whatever things you ask for in prayer Believe with confident trust that you have received them, and they will be given to you. That's faith. He spoke it. He believed, confident in God's power, and it happened. We see the same story in Matthew 21, and we got a little bit more, a little different information about the same situation. And when the disciples saw this tree again... And it was dead, and they were astonished, and they asked, How is it that the fig tree is withered away? And Jesus replied to them, I assure you, most solemnly say to you, if you have faith, again, personal trust and confidence in me, and do not doubt or allow yourself to be drawn in two different directions. Isn't that good? Isn't that what doubt is? Can I just say this? When faith is full-born in your heart, there is no plan B. Can I challenge you with that? Amen. When faith is full birth in your heart, and my confidence is solely in him, there is no plan B. It's God all the way. And we'll walk away because we have confidence in God. You will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but you will say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. And it will happen. I've never seen a mountain thrown into the sea. But what is our mountain? The mountain is anything 
that looks too big and impossible for us to deal with. And that could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be an ex a, a, a situation in your home. But Jesus addresses not our faith. Well, he does in a different one here. Uh, in Matthew 17, we hear something else about this mountain. And this is actually the second mountain because the first two are about the same fig tree situation. This time, Jesus teaches us something um, when a father brings his poor son who is, uh, has been uh, harassed by demons, and it, the father is saying, your disciples tried to pray for him, but it didn't work. Okay, now the disciples have egg on their face. It's like, we don't know what's going on here. But let me just tell you, the, apparently what ha was happening is that this uh, demon was throwing his, this poor man's uh, son into fire and water, and it sounds like he was having seizures, okay? But we see that the root of this particular thing was a demonic spirit. And so they bring this boy to Jesus, and Jesus says, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the boy was healed at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, why could we not drive it out? <laughs> I'm glad they asked, right? Otherwise, they'd be wondering. Because they were looking at themselves here. He answered, because of your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. And, and uh, I said all that to say, I believe they were moved by what was happening. They were intimidated by how the demon was acting out. And instead of rebuking, say, uh, 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 no, 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 no. I'm not giving you permission to do that to that boy anymore. Jesus simply rebuked that demon and had to go. Quick story. Uh, a young lady was brought to me, and she had been under so much demonic attack that at the moment that I came to her, she was really laying lifeless. And people that brought her said, we don't know what to do. We prayed with her. We prayed for her. And nothing seems to be changing. And so at that moment, I didn't know the background. I didn't know what <clears throat> had previously happened. I didn't know her. I didn't even know her name. And so I said, okay, Holy Spirit, this is on you. What needs to be done here? And he said, make her sit up. She had to begin resisting what the devil was doing. But she had given in for so long. And I said, no, I need you to look at me. I need you to look at me. It was very difficult for her to do that. She had given up so much ground to the enemy that she had to really exercise physical strength to come against what the devil had had success doing in her. And so I looked at her, and I said, okay, we're coming against that spirit. And I spoke to it, and it was a spirit of suicide. How did I know that? Holy Spirit showed me. I didn't know her from Adam. And guess what? I, for a split second, went, God, what if that's not right? I went, no, I'm not going to die. It's not about me. God, I'm going to listen to your Holy Spirit because you know how to speak to this mountain, this particular mountain. What's not moving and what do we need to do to move it? And so I said, Spirit of suicide, you need to go. Nothing. And I sensed it was like saying, I've been here longer than you. And it looked sticky. It had roots. It had been there a long, long time. And I felt like what I had to do 
That's not moving me. And so after a little bit more time, I looked at her and I said, you need to start resisting, okay? Because this thing has to go. <laughs> and what came out of my mouth was, we're not leaving until you go. It was gone. Now, I didn't see anything, but something changed. It was like a veil was lifted. And so I had the opportunity to minister to her and say, that's been there a long time, hasn't it? And up to that point, I don't even know if she could have heard me. She was so under the influence because she had given up that ground. See, the devil has no power over you but what you allow. Spiritual influence is empowered by human agreement. We broke our agreement with that mountain. We spoke to the mountain, and we took our rightful authority. And ladies, I'm sorry. We're going to keep having to go into the next section here. Worksheet question number four. You have been given the same authority as Jesus and the ability to exercise that authority. You've been given the same authority as Jesus and the ability to exercise that authority. And that's found in Luke 10, 19. Listen carefully. Jesus is talking. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will in any way harm you. It's an all or nothing, ladies. That authority you have been given. It's not my authority. I don't deserve it, but I'm going to use it because demons have to flee. Sickness has to turn around. Cancers have to be ripped out by the root and shrivel up in the name of Jesus. So we want to build our confidence in what God says that we have through Jesus. And I would challenge every one of us here. If you say, I don't, I don't know if I can believe that. It's okay. Don't, see, right now some of you are feeling condemned. Okay, that's a lie of the enemy. So we're catching them right in the act, okay? Don't receive that. Get into the word of God. Read all the gospels. You will be so empowered and learn to trust the God of miracles when you read of all the things that Jesus did. And then say, wait a minute. As he is, so am I in this world. And that will become more and more real to you. And it's not about how good you are. It's about how good Jesus is and how strong he is in and through you. Worksheet question number five. To possess God's promises, you must believe in the finished work of the cross. The finished work of the cross. And here we have those two realms I talked about a little bit. There is a spirit realm and there's a physical realm. Yes, we live in the physical realm. We live in a physical body. But the real you is your born-again spirit girl. All right? And that is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Spirit. And the same spirit as Jesus Christ. Oh, we can't even really wrap our minds about that. But that's why we can say, as he is, so am I. Because it's not my physical part. It's the spiritual part that lines up with him. And everything that we need has already been accomplished. But it is in the spirit realm. So sometimes I know if this has happened to me. That I pray for healing or I pray for something and it doesn't happen. Okay. Um, God's not withholding any good thing. I'm not quite sure sometimes where the disconnect, but something happened to me that really put some uh, truth together for me. And I'll tell this as quickly as I can. I'm really cutting into our discussion time. Is that okay, ladies? Okay. <laughs> I really believe these truths will, will be something that you can take home and begin to see the promised land in your life. Hi, sweetie. 
How are you? <laughs> She's being so good. All right. Andrew Womack is one of my favorite grace teachers, along with a few others, and I heard him say this because I was experiencing um, a lot of pain in, in a knee, in one of my knees, and it was from an old gymnastics injury when I thought I was a gymnast, and I was not. <laughs> Where's Myra? You were a better gymnast than me. We went to high school together. Yeah, and I hurt myself in high school, and it had plagued me. It had flared up from time to time. But here was the problem. I wanted to go visit my son in New York City. And when we go there, we walk miles and miles and miles. And I could barely get through a day without my knee blowing up. And stairs were very painful. And yes, I could have gone to the doctor. Nothing wrong with the doctor. But I didn't have time. And I said, God, I've got four days on my calendar that we can go fly and spend time with my, my son. But this knee, something's got to change. I won't be able to go if I can't walk and be able to go there without pain. And I heard Andrew Womack say that. He said, okay, we must believe in the finished work of the cross. Everything that you need has been accomplished because he said it is finished. Amen? He not only became sin for us, but he also became sick for us. And anything that's plaguing your body, see in the body of Jesus, he shed his blood, he took stripes on his back, and then he said, all done. All done for you to receive the promise of healing. And he said, but it won't become manifest in your body until you release faith. Because faith builds the bridge for that promise, that finished work, to cross over and become manifest in this body. It is done in the physical realm. And this is what, I, it was like a light bulb came on. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, Karen, you have a new knee waiting for you in the spirit realm with your name on it. And it was a picture, like an inner vision. I don't know what a new knee looks like, but there it was, you know, kind of cartilage and everything else. And it had a tag on it that said, Karen, it was for me. And it was accomplished 2,000 years ago. And that's why I can say, I am the healed of the Lord. But then I'm going to release faith. To build a bridge so it crosses over from the spirit realm where it was finished on the cross and become manifest in my knee. And the change. Oh, here's the thing. I didn't look at my knee and say, did that work? I went, I have a new knee. It didn't matter that if I walked, my knee did this one more time. So I don't care. I have a new knee. And Rachel will testify to that because we walk along. And she goes, oh, are you okay? So, I have a new knee. And people were asking me, did you have knee surgery? What happened? I said, no, I have a new knee. It was so real to me. And we went to New York about a, year, a week later. And we walked one day 10 miles, another day 14 miles, and another day 10, 12 miles. I never took ibuprofen. I didn't have pain. And I got stronger and stronger and stronger. So your faith builds the bridge. And I think that's one of our next ones there. Eh, I got a little bit ahead, but we'll get there. All right, worksheet question number six. Is that where we're at, ladies? Okay. Praying powerful prayers. Are you interested? All right, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a right to do all these things. Speak to your mountain. Don't let your mountain speak to you. Oh, sorry. Oh, I skipped number six. Okay. Show me what's on number six. 
Everything. Everything Jesus provides is finished in the spirit realm. Good. We were right there. Your faith builds a bridge for it to cross over into the physical realm. So we've got spirit realm and physical realm. Whew. Good. We made it. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I just get that in my notes. All right. So um, just another quick story on that. Don't let your mountain speak to you. Let's go to number six. Oh, seven. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rachel, you're really going to have to clean this up on the podcast, okay? <laughs> Number seven, praying powerful prayers as a believer in Jesus Christ. Speak to your mountain. Don't let your mountain speak to you. Speak to your mountain. Don't speak to God about your mountain. And speak to your mountain. Be a commander, not a beggar. That second one. Oftentimes we say, God, thank you for healing me. That's good. You are my healer. That's good. I'm the healed of the Lord. That's good. By his stripes, I'm healed. That's good. Those are all truth. But what's the mountain? What's the mountain? I have permission to share this story. We were praying with a young lady after impact one Thursday morning, and we were speaking all those good things, but she had been told that she had a mass in her lung. And so we were praying, and I just sensed we're not breaking through. We're not breaking through. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you're not speaking to the mountain. And so... I said to her, I said, okay, we've spoken the word of God, but in a sense, we are speaking to God about the mountain. I said, what if we prayed like this? Mass, get out of my body in Jesus' name. I'm sorry. <laughs> get out of my body in Jesus' name. You have no right to be there. I rebuke you. You have to go in the mighty name of Jesus. And we actually started to laugh because it almost seemed silly. But what was the mountain? The mass. And I said, you know what? God just said to me, he said, when you heard the doctor say that you have a mass, it struck fear in your heart, didn't it? She goes, yeah, yeah. I said, well, God wants you to know that mass is just a stupid four-letter word, and he's, he's mightier and stronger than any stupid four-letter word. And so we rebuked, spoke to the mountain. Don't speak to God about your mountain. Command it. Don't beg. I uh, was in a prayer group um, recently, and this wonderful young dad said, my son is sick, he's running a fever, and when he prayed, he said, God, please heal my son, and um, you know, take away his fever, and let his day be uh, peaceful, and, and it was a lovely prayer, because he was showing just how much he cared for his, his son, and <laughs> sometimes I have to be real careful here, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to squash his beautiful, compassionate love for his son. But thank God for the Holy Spirit because he tempered it very beautifully. And I heard him say, just tell him. He said, uh, I said to him, I said, um, God just wants you to know that it is his good pleasure to heal your son. Because you don't have to ask. You can receive it and thank him for it. He is, he is in the business of healing, healing, healing. All right, so we must be on worksheet question number eight. Thank you. All right. We are not the sick trying to get healed. We are the healed resisting sickness. Okay? We start from a position. Our stand is because of the victory in Jesus. Amen? Okay. All right, ladies, we're going to go ahead and 
Uh, if you flip your papers over, it's a little bit different this time. You say, oh my goodness, there's all that writing on there. No worries. What I did is I put in what I believe are five very powerful scriptures because I want you to really meditate on these. And, you know, meditating is like chewing the cud, right? You just kind of go through it phrase by phrase. What I want you to do is, as a group, read the scripture together, underline, circle, whatever those, that uh, part of that scripture really speaks to you, and then talk about it. But also that you have these five together. You have been given the same authority as Jesus. You've been given permission to use his name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee needs to bow. They must bow. You resist the devil, he has to flee. So these are like you're lining up the power scriptures, the things that um, are the most effective and are always effective when we put our full trust and confidence in God. Amen? So let's take the next few minutes. I don't know if you'll get through it. It's a lot. But um, at least you have them so you can go back and revisit and just let that permeate and build your confidence in God and in his word. Amen?